Sunday nights. Good to see you all. Uh, let me add my welcome to Caleb's and to those uh, attending at home uh, on the couch. Um, we're into week five. We've had a few little bumps along the way. We've done different things and we've got some exciting things coming up, as you can see, including a worship night. So who's excited about worship nights? Yeah, there's a few of us like to get along to that. Um, and a quick uh, totoko to Bernie. Good message last week, bro. Yeah, come on. Yeah, he's given me one of those, yeah, you know. But who remembers the burger with the spicy bit in the middle? Yeah. Uh, didn't get an easy passage. We, we actually had similar passages to, to preach on that, that day, actually. Hey, bro. So, <laughs> but you did a good job, bro. You did a good job. Uh, well, tonight, we're working our way through the book of Colossians, and the series, Just Jesus, is just taking a turn. Um, and if you are following along on the First Thessalonians series, we've kind of hit the middle part. Okay, of Paul's letter, where he turns from helping us understand how amazing and wonderful Jesus is and what it means to walk with him in our life. And he's turning more towards what does that mean for me today? Okay, what does it mean to walk with Jesus in my life, including through cornfields? Is that right, Caleb? Yeah, that's right. So this series, uh, Just Jesus, has its focus on how Jesus alone not only creates what we like to call a true north, but a center line for life. Such a good, such a good illustration. The Lord gave it to you tonight. Um, but also how that life pursued in him transforms everything. When we understand that Jesus was there at the beginning, this is going back to our first sermon, and that he's here right now with us by his Holy Spirit, it should and does transform everything, okay? Um, but I want to open with a prayer before we get into it. So let me pray. Uh, Jesus, we are so thankful that we can gather and that we can open your word together. We pray that you would breathe life by your spirit into those words, that uh, any words from me that distract us from that word, Lord, that we would let pass. And Lord, that you would speak life and truth and hope about what it means to walk with you alone in our lives tonight, Lord. So we welcome you into this place and into this word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, um, last Saturday, uh, I had a bit of a disaster. Uh, <laughs> um, I crashed my car uh, and uh, it, I'm going to show you the pictures right now. Okay, you ready? There it is. <laughs> um, I'm really thankful that no one was injured. I was taking, Ben's just like, oh, I remember that from last Saturday. I was taking kids to um, uh, to the lake day, which they all had fun at, and no one was injured. They, um, but what happened is that I broke the road rules. It was my fault. Um, I'm not proud of it. Uh, in fact, I'm really, really grateful. Uh, in that brown car was the person I crashed into. Um, his name was Nick, and he had a young son in that car. And had I not just seen him and touched the brakes, I think we could have seen some serious injuries. Why do I share that? I share it because uh, what we're going to look at today in this, in this passage from Paul is an understanding of house code. See, back in Paul's day, there was this 
uh, kind of written but unwritten code that, that went through homes uh, and uh, into the lives of every person and was a code which they lived by, much like the road code. <laughs> In fact, because I broke the road code, I've actually got uh, an infringement notice sitting on my table today. They like to be able to remind you that you did something stupid, <laughs> uh, the police, and for good reason. Uh, and Paul wants to lead us into an understanding of what it means to, I think, subvert the culture in which we live in, but not without breaking the law. Okay? So keep that in mind as we go along. Tonight's message is called The Upward Cycle. Um, and I called it The Upward Cycle because um, within this passage we're going to look at tonight, there is this kind of unusual um, flipping and rolling of res- um, um, relationships and um, some of the rules that were put out there. And Paul, in some ways, is using these tonight. I hope you'll be able to pick this up uh, through this message. He's using these to transform society in a subversive way. Um, And I hope that you can pick this up. So uh, I'm going to click through to this passage. It's uh, chapter 3, verses 17. Because Bernie didn't do 17 last week, I'm going to steal it off him. I'm going to put it into my sermon because it makes sense of the words that will follow in a few seconds. So, read along with me. These are verses 17 through 4, verse 1. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. I've taken those from the previous verses because they make sense of what's to come. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. Here's a nice word. Slaves. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything you do and do it not only when their eye is on you and to curry curry their favour, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as if working for the Lord and not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrongs, and there is no favoritism. Verse four, uh, sorry, chapter four, verse one. Um, most commentators and biblical scholars say they probably just put this in the wrong place. It says, "Masters, provide your slaves." with what is right and fair, because you know that you also have a master in heaven. So we've come on this journey to chapter three. And uh, right here in these words, we get, I think, uh, something of an offending kind of um, predicament come up inside us. When we hear the words submit, when we see the words slaves, when we see the commands uh, to those who are 
uh, subordinate in these relationships, it kind of makes us feel icky and uncomfortable in today's society, doesn't it? This is the kind of scripture that sets some people's uh, lives on edge. It fires up those who are equal rights campaigners, uh, no end, maybe some feminists. Um, they get these kind of scriptures and they love to use them as a pushback. And, and there's a good reason for it because if you read them just as they are, they can be quite offensive. But what I want to do tonight, I hope I'll be able to do for you, um, is to try and unpack that a little bit and understand what maybe Paul in a subversive way is trying to do. Because I actually believe that Paul uh, is in these verses uh, putting an equal pressure into mutuality, this mutual submission. And that's why he's got these double um, uh, instructions for people. And there's a subtle reason why I've included that chapter, uh, verse 17 in this in this chapter reading, because I think that makes sense of the instructions that he's giving. That this is for Jesus and through Jesus for a reason. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, it says in verse 17, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is the motivation, okay? Start at this point. Now this verse sets the tone for both masters and servants, for husbands and wives, for parents and children, or more specifically fathers and their children. Uh, as both parties uh, in this relationship lean into Christ, they create what we call the upwards, or what I'm calling the upward cycle. Okay, So that's where we're going with it. All right, let me jump over to a little... Um, illustration I have here. Um, one of the things that happens within our culture, uh, in our cultural environment, is that we often get dragged into the me first kind of understanding of how the world operates, right? It's all about me. It's all about what uh, I get. And even to the point where we say, I will only do it if they do their part first, Okay. I'm willing to, to be kind if I'm shown kindness. Is that right? Am I fair in saying that? No. Silence. <sighs> Tumbleweed. I will only reciprocate that which is first shown to me. It's a pretty, it's a pretty standard response from most people. Uh, and so working from the living example of Jesus, Paul in his life tries to bring this sense uh, to these verses, I think. Um, and so in this past week, I got a really good example of this. And uh, uh, it was actually by my wife who may be watching at home. Uh, so she always tells me to ask her before I use an example of her. But um, I thought I'd use this picture as well just because Monica did the other day. Okay. It's battle of who's got the cutest dog. All right. This is my dog, Max. He's a boxer. Um, He's large, he'd probably eat Cooper uh, for dinner. I always say dogs that get beaten up by cats aren't really dogs. <laughs> the, problem with, the problem with Max, however, um, <laughs> is that he, he got out. Um, he's a big dog, he weighs about 40 kilos, he's solid muscle, and he pushed through one of our gates and he marauded the neighbourhood. 
Uh, and he's he's kind of brainless. Um, he sort of slobbers and bounces around all over the place, and um, he's actually quite harmless. But when he sees a cat, it's on. It's on like Donkey Kong. And uh, he was chasing this cat around this house, and it was, it was my neighbor's elderly cat. And uh, he was none too impressed. Um, anyway, he came over. I wasn't home, and he came over, and he just, he just gave it to my wife. <laughs> And uh, he, if, and justifiably so. I mean, he was he was fired up, um, and uh, my wife was really apologetic and sympathetic. And she's like, "He's really harmless." <laughs> you know, you can imagine the scenario. Anyway, um, he he yeah, he he really gave it to her, and then he walked off home. He stormed off. Um, none of her soothing words um, could do anything. So, what she did instead was um, she actually wrote him a card. And as is my wife's love language, she, she wrote him a card and she made him some biscuits. And uh, she wrapped them up nicely and she took them over gingerly and she put them in his letterbox. And the card just was, you know, apologizing with, um, and I, that night I put a new bolt on the gate so he couldn't push it open. And she was just really apologetic. I think to myself, what might have I had done had he come to the front door and was pretty animated? Well, my first instinct wouldn't be to write that sucker a card or make him some cookies. <clears throat> See, our first instinct is often to defence, to justifying me and my rights. Uh, the good news is that in Deb's giving of uh, this um, package to him, he came over two days later, I think rather sheepishly, and her kind response to him, he, he came over and he'd bought Max a dog toy. <laughs> and he'd bought him a bag of treats, like all these like chewy ear things. And, and uh, I, I was just, I was like, whoa, I didn't expect that. I didn't expect that. Um, yeah, it's amazing what an apology can do, can it? See, the point here is uh, that there is this call on us um, through these words that we've read to act and live in such a way as if it was to Jesus himself that you were serving. You see, it doesn't say only if such and such happens does this happen and only if it says do these things. And I think my wife, being holier than me, showed me a good example of that this week. If we were to begin here reading the words, wives, submit to yourselves, <clears throat> we kind of miss the point, don't we? So let me give you a, a new brief spin on what I think these words might be saying to us. And I've, I got Ben to create me a diagram because I like diagrams. Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as fitting to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. What I see in this passage is not you do this first and then this happens. What I see in this passage is two sides of the same coin. 
You see, if we want to see an upward cycle of love, forgiveness, respect, honour, both parties are required to do something. Yeah? There's a reason why they're paired together because you can't have one without the other. Why? Because this is why Paul put them together. He's being subversive. This is a house code that, that actually um, had a woman in a position in the patriarchal marriage uh, in such a way that, that they were being abused, that their rights were being taken from them. In fact, those who were probably hearing this for the first time, they're, they're sitting there in this room listening and they're hearing this and in this room with them are masters and slaves, children and parents, husbands and wives. And he's saying this to all of them. Listen to me. Your culture, your culture has asked something of you. It's asked you to abide by this, this patriarchal marriage way of life, this way of responding as, as husbands and wives and children and, and masters and slaves. Let me put a little twist on it. Do this as if you were serving Jesus himself. Submit and love in the way that Jesus would do that for you. You see, there's this... There's this um, double-sided coin action that's going on. What it isn't saying is if they do it, then I will do it. Yeah. Paul is, of course, addressing that notion in a subversive way. There's a subtle change. Do these things together and imagine what the world would become. There's a second one. Parents and children. I wonder, you see, for me, I think we're formed by the relationships in which we live, whether they are wholesome and life-giving or ugly and destructive. We live and breathe and have our being because of these things. And we can create scenarios in which there is wholesome, good relationships or destructive ones. Many of you have probably experienced that uh, in different ways. And here, uh, fathers especially uh, are implored because of the position they are in that society. But I think there's a lot of crossover to today, right? I mean, as a dad, one of the hardest things is having the energy when I get home to do something with my kids who are full of energy. How many dads in the room like that? Yep, five honest ones. Yeah, my kids are just like, fired up, dad, you know, and you come home just like, Ugh. I'm just, I've, I've, my brain's shut down for the day and all I want to do is just relaxed. You see, I had a, I had a pretty, um, pretty full-on father. <laughs> in fact, my dad used to come, this has got nothing to do with what I'm talking about, but anyway, he, uh, he used to come and watch me play soccer at a Christian soccer thing. My dad wasn't a Christian. He'd just be yelling these profanities from the side and I'm just like, that's not my dad. But anyway, my dad loved us. <laughs> No end. He was an absolute legend. Um, and he generally came across like a bit of a grouchy old fart. Um, but in the quiet spaces, he loved and he lived for his boys. And he modeled a disciplined life to us. Handling money, 
how to how to be a gentleman, uh, what to do when you uh, don't know what to cook, all of these things. He modelled a way of life that built us up. He never exacerbated us. He was a grouchy old codger, but he never exacerbated us. He was a kind of father that actually led us so well. wasn't even a Christian. But the reality is that that cycle created an obedience. There was a, there was a love and a, and a connectedness with him that I had that I didn't have with anyone else. It was built through relationship. <clears throat> My point being that with a greater encouragement comes greater obedience, and with greater obedience, this upward cycle gains momentum. You see, as my wife can attest to now, there's something in a kind response that turned away anger and transformed <clears throat> the situation in our small cul-de-sac that could have been quite awkward for a number of years. The last relationship is the one between masters and slaves. There's a great uh, little um, letter that Paul also wrote from prison called Philemon. How many of you read that? It's a really short one. You can read it tonight. And it's about a relationship between a slave and a master. The slave runs away and Paul's writing to him saying, you know what? Bring that slave back into your house and treat him as a friend. Uh, in that culture, if you ran away as a slave, you could be killed. You see, the thing that he's impressing upon uh, Philemon about Onesimus, uh, he's saying, bring him back into your house and treat him as if Jesus was in your house. And he's just going, what the heck? And Paul's saying, I- I'm testifying to the fact that this guy is an amazing guy. He walked with me, he talked with me. He's a, he's, a, he's a slave to you, but he's a brother to us. What do I love about that? You see, master and slave have, uh, have a particular relationship. But so does an employer and an employee. You see, throughout society, there's a number of ways in which we all have a subordinate relationship, yeah? There is this um, element within society that will always be there. And I think this is part of speaking to that, right? Who are you in those relationships? You see, my in-laws, they went to PNG as missionaries. And when they got there, um, they had this amazing lady called Lena who said, you know what, I'll come and work for you and I will help you integrate into the life of our community here because, I mean, you're coming from New Zealand, you've never lived here before and she helped in the house and she helped find food and do the cooking and the kids were being homeschooled and all these sorts of things. The lovely Lena became like family. Even though she was she was paid, even though she was there in a helping capacity, she became like family to John and Althea and to my wife and her sisters. He had to learn what life was like in this new land. Who could teach him? A couple of years ago, we were able to host Lena at home. 
Um, John and Althea flew her out to New Zealand and she got to hang out at our place in July. It was freezing, poor thing. It's like 35 degrees all the time over there. So she had about 16 layers of clothes on. But for her, there wasn't this master-slave relationship. She was a Christian who loved Jesus. And she was treated in the exact same way as a family member. For me, this is the kind of thing that Paul's speaking to in our world. Maybe you're an employer in the room. Are you a fair employer? Maybe you are the employee. Do you work hard? Do you, do you live in such a way that would honour Jesus in the place where you are? Or do you just slack off? Who cares? I just work at Pack and Save. Who cares? They're just going to get money and it goes to the big conglomerate, blah, blah, blah. We can start justifying our actions. But the reality is, are we living in such a way that we would honour Jesus through what we do? You see, a life submitted to Jesus should reverberate into our everyday. It doesn't matter what place in society you find yourself whether you're that child or you're the parent, we're all children of someone. And the amount of people I see disrespecting their parents even in their older age, we all find ourselves in a position where Jesus is saying, do you serve me in that way? Because let me tell you something, as you live into that way of life, a life that honours me and transforms everything about what you do, you create an upward cycle, a cycle of honour, a culture that transforms communities, it transforms families. I know of so many uh, a Christian women who have uh, non-Christian husbands, and I've seen them come to church, and, and they're like, why is she like she is? I've seen so many children who, who have parents who, um, who are just harsh on them, and I've seen kids just be kind, be obedient, and see these transformations go on. God uses those things. I've seen employees live in such a way that not only do they get promoted, but they become like family to the employer. This is the kind of cycle that Jesus is calling us to live into. Paul is calling us to live counterculturally, to do the unexpected, to show kindness in the face of anger, to love in such a way that those who receive that love understand it to be as if it was Jesus himself you were serving. Oh, I want to invite the band to come as a close. I wonder um, tonight if, oh, I'm going to change that slide to this one. I wonder tonight if you would uh, reflect on this question for a moment. Where are we? This one. How does your life speak of whose you are? How does your life currently, no matter what position you're in, Speak of whose you are.
It's a real simple question. Maybe you're scrolling through your mind as an employee, as a child, as a, as a parent. Answer this question. How does your life speak of whose you are? What does it look like for you to work as though unto God? Whether that's in your home or as an employee, as an employer. I think my wife started a bit of a revolution in our neighborhood. I wonder if you would do the same. Would you stand as I pray? Lord, you don't see title and position. You see a child of God. You see a servant of the risen Lord. You see us in all of our humanity, whether we are a subordinate or whether we are the master, whether we are at the top of a field or the janitor. Lord, you care for each one equally. Father, you care about how we live with you in our life. You care about us knowing whose we are. We ask tonight, Lord, as we stand and as we, as we think about these things, as you lay some things on our hearts, Lord, that we would be transformed to the point of action. Not just people who talk about who you are and that you're in our life, but we actually live the way that you've called us to because it's transformational. So Father, we ask tonight that you would come and that you would speak to those things, that we would have the courage to step out into those things that you've called us to, to act differently because we know Jesus in our life. We thank you for your presence and for your Holy Spirit that gives us the strength and the power to do so. Ask your blessing on those tonight who you have convicted, those who you are calling to. Live for me. Show people whose you are. We thank you, Jesus. Amen.